1: Patrick, for AM860, The Answer.
2: Good morning. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. You've got Ken by my side, and we're doing a radio show today. Morning, Doc. Morning, buddy. We're also streaming on Facebook. I don't know if YouTube's let me back on yet or not. I <laughs> really <care>. And uh, <laughs> you know what? Now we've got the uh, disinformation department uh, under Homeland Security being set up disinformation governance board and the person they're picking to head it up is some whack job who uh said that hunter biden's laptop was uh was fake news and disinformation and and said that uh who was this guy that did the uh did the report that said that trump was in collusion with the russians for the election what was his name Steele. steel yes sir she she praised him and so here we go now we've got yeah, but they're going to they say they're good, they're doing this so that they can intervene if the russians try to give disinformation and interfere with our elections and to stop the cartels from giving disinformation to hispanics coming up through mexico uh because the cartels are are lying to them so that they can get their little girls and sell them and you know traffic them how is this going to work i can it just It boggles my mind that people really think that they're going to be able to uh, get information out to Mesoamerica, Central America, and on up uh, the lower parts of the North American continent and have people actually understand what they're talking about and dissuade people from listening to the cartel guys and trying to get out of Honduras and wherever else and come to the United States? Do you think that's going to work? Nah. Doc, I think I think you misread the situation
3: completely here. I did. Yes, I think so. This is the Department of Disinformation. They're supposed to <laughs> put out disinformation. I think they're going to do a good job. And I think they're doing a heck of a job.
2: <laughs> so uh, it just you know this is this is uh, Orwellian. Uh, th- it this is. is It is. This is what. Uh, the, what they have in his book, the Department of Truth or something like that? I yeah, remember. I think
3: so. It's been a while since I've read it, but yeah. It's yeah. 1984 right here yeah. in yeah. 2022.
2: Let's see. We're only, what, four from 12 is, we're only, what, 38 years behind? But we're catching <laughs> up fast. We'll get there, guys. We'll get there. Yeah. So, uh, now everything's going to be censored, including your underwear. And oh God! Well, look—they want
3: to take away menthol cigarettes now. How are menthol cigarettes any worse than a normal cigarette?
2: I have no idea.
3: You're a doctor. You tell me. I mean, it's—it's all going to give
2: you a cancer. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I'm—I'm, of course, I'm anti-smoking because I'm a doctor and heart specialist, and I worry about people and trying to guide them and take care of them. Kind of like my wingman here, who doesn't listen to me. Well, I'm pro menthol. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why menthol is getting a bad rap now. I thought menthol was pretty good. You could rub it on your body, and it, you know, smelled good, and you temporarily think you feel better. And they what happened if you started eating it though? Put it into Vicks vapor rub. I think that you know, it's probably like moth mothballs that, that preserve your innards. So I don't know, but it's it's my brand of choice. You know what I mean? So. Hey, you know what? If people want to kill themselves, I can't stop them. This is America. I have a right to kill myself if I want I have to. right to destroy my body. But the only thing I say is the problem is, is that when you destroy your body, then you become a burden to the rest of us. And so we have to take care of you, and that's going to cost society money. Insurance rates go up, hospital uh, utilization goes up, so on and so forth. Well, I, you know, Doc, I hadn't thought about that. I'll quit immediately. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, you're going to have to quit menthol because Joe's taking it away from you, dude.
3: Hey, believe me, the uh, tobacco companies have billions of dollars sitting in an account somewhere just waiting to finance the legal fight on this. It's going to take years. Go all the way to Supreme Court.
2: Yeah, I wonder wonder if the Department of Disinformation will get involved. Oh, I'm sure they will. (laughs) (laughs) They probably are already, yeah. Well, on a, on a more serious note, did you hear Naomi uh, Judd died yesterday? I I, heard, I read that yesterday. That's sad, yeah. She's pretty young. She, her daughters say she died from her depression, which I guess means she might have committed suicide, but I don't know. They haven't released the cause of death. Uh, and I guess this was something she struggled with off and on all of her life. Um, I d- I just don't know. It might have been a prelude to some form of dementia, too. She was a pretty gal, you know. She and they was... made great music. Those two, they really did. They did. Yeah. And her daughter, what's her? What's the one that uh, that Winona was, was the singer, and the other one was the uh, the movie star.
3: Yeah, I can never
2: remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> what's her name? Ashley. Ashley. There you go. Ashley, as as Naomi, Winona, and Ashley, and I think Winona and her mom they were the singing act. And uh, mom was actually the better looking of the of the two. But uh, that's too bad, you know. It's, it's sad to see people suffer with depression and uh, not be able to get any relief and end up doing something crazy. But uh, also, you see a lot of psychiatric illnesses that are preludes to dementia too, Ken. So that, that might have been part of the problem. She might have had a rapidly progressive uh, form of dementia. I don't know.
3: Well that kinda of what that's kinda of what happened to Robin Williams, I think, why he took his own life, because he was headed in
2: that direction. Well he yeah, had he was a manic depressive on top of it. So yeah. and I I doubt that he ever really he probably intermittently was on medication and under control, but uh, uh he was a weird kid anyway, you know, he kinda of holed up in his room. I, I guess his family moved a lot. His father was, I don't know, corporate or military or something. I think
3: and, he was military, yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't remember. Well,
3: I know that's an interesting thing to look at, I think, by a psychiatrist probably, and they probably have. But a lot of uh, comedians are very depressed in real life and have been for many, many years.
2: I've heard that.
3: But yet they're extremely funny. I don't get it.
2: Well, I think that uh, there are some things that will boost your serotonin levels uh, naturally, like singing, uh, exercise, laughter, and... uh, and so there are things that you can do to help with your depression. Now, the the problem is, is that you go out and ride your bicycle for a half an hour, an hour, and then you come in and you feel great for three or four hours. And then when the adrenaline wears off and the serotonin levels drop in your brain again, then you start feeling bad. And, and that's why we have medications nowadays. And and we've done a great job in the mental health industry. I mean, it has come so far since I was a kid. I mean, when I was born, there wasn't hardly anything out there. There were a few antipsychotics and barbiturates and benzodiazepines. Then the tricyclic antidepressants came in in the 50s. But now, and, and they're good drugs, but they have a lot of side effects. But now we've got the serotonin reuptake inhibitors and the serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. We've got the atypical uh, medication. I mean, we've just got a ton of things that we can use on top of the old armamentarium. And there's help out there. There is. But you got to ask for it, and there's a stigma still. I think with some people there is. Um, th- I think you're right. Uh, I, I had a patient uh, this past week. Uh, actually, I got kind of attached to him. And uh, he came in a few weeks ago, and he had belly pain. And he's a little bit manicky, and it's taken me years to get him in tow. Uh, but I finally had him where he was on a regimen losing weight. His sugar was getting better under control and so on and so forth. And he said, I know what I have. I've got diverticulitis. I've had this before. And I said, well, don't you think we ought to get you in the hospital if you're hurting this much and get a CAT scan and get you on some IV antibiotics? No, no, no. I know what to do. I want oral antibiotics. I'll take care of it and I'll get a CAT scan tomorrow or the next day. Well, he ended up in the uh, in the ER uh, A couple of weeks ago, with an abscess in his belly, one of the little diverticular, one of the little pouchings in his colon that got infected, uh, ruptured, and so he had an abscess in his belly, which is of course a serious thing. Mm -hmm. And so we admitted him to the hospital, and unfortunately, that next week I was out with the COVID, and so uh, he was being taken care of by the surgeon and the intensivist and uh, then he got uh what's called a, a megacolon toxic megacolon Ken. where that's when the large bowel stops working it doesn't contract anymore and of course it'll fill up with gas because you've got bacteria in there that act on any debris that comes through and and they release uh they release gasses and uh and then his bowel got stretched and then it got uh ischemic which means that the blood supply was cut off to his large bowel and then of course that's a crisis uh he had multiple small ruptures in his in his large bowel and, you know, fluid uh, and feces all over his peritoneum, all over the inside of his gut. And uh, so he went to surgery, and that has a high mortality rate uh, in, in older patients or patients with problems like diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol, and he had all of those. And so he ended up with the colon out and sepsis, went into kidney failure. Uh, you know, off and on, he started to get better Then he had a cardiac arrest and, and then got him back and then he had another one and, and then he was, uh, you know, basically gone. And so it, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation and, uh, y- you have to be really vigilant and you, you have to look at the psychiatric side of it too. And as I explained to his family, uh, that, uh, He was not the easiest person to get in tow, and they said, yeah, they know his wife had divorced him, and uh, but she was still conflicted and at the bedside. And and, um, his daughters were were there, and one of them was pretty crazy, and she was yelling and screaming and cussing and taking pictures of the chart and threatening to sue. And, you know, I explained to him, you, you don't have any standing to sue. You're not dependent on him. You're not married to him. You're all adults living independently, and, uh, you know, you got to cut this out and quit quit threatening the staff. It's hard enough to take care of people without family coming in and yelling at you, Ken, that they're going to sue you. What's happened to just basic decency in this country? Well, this we've had this off and on ever since. I mean, I remember this even as a kid in, in medical school back in the 70s. Uh, my parents didn't have much uh, threat of lawsuit because in pediatrics, the, the lawsuit rate is really low. But, you know, the OBGYNs and the neurosurgeons, they've been uh, assaulted ever since. And, and, of course, with more and more trial lawyers coming out and they need something to do, they've been <laughs> harder, harder at at what doctors are doing. But it, it's not as easy as you think to get a lawsuit, uh, uh, get, get a lawyer to take a lawsuit for medical malpractice. It's, it's got to be a big dollar item for them because they, they spend a lot of time, Ken. They may have two or $300,000 in, in, uh, in, in due diligence just to try to see if, if it's a, a case that's going to bring in any money. And then, of course, they're going to want at least a million dollars in a settlement or, or it's just not worth it to them.
3: That's why they're chasing ambulances. Get the broken bones. Those are easy to
2: defend. Yeah, yeah. You you can make better money uh easier by, by going after automobile accidents because everybody's got that ten thousand dollar or whatever it is, uh medical on their auto insurance that's mandatory in Florida and probably in most states. So the lawyers figure, wow, well, if I can put one or two thousand dollars of work into this and get eight thousand out of it and I get a third of that. I'm still ahead of the game and I don't have to do much. You know? <laughs> it's pretty easy. Well, what and, else is going on, Doc? Well, do you remember when we used to line up at, at a fair and pay to see a fat tattooed lady? You remember those days? <laughs> Yeah. Now they're everywhere. <laughs> you can't get away from them. I mean, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Doc, Doc, now that's. Now that's not politically correct, Doc. No, that's incorrect. So, did you hear about this kid, uh, this young guy, uh, Cancel, uh, Willie Joseph Cancel, that uh, joined a private military organization and they were contracted to fight with the Ukrainian army, and he went over there and he got killed in action. Did you hear about that? I did. Yes, that's said. And apparently, he was a Marine for several years, but had never seen combat, and he got a, a bad conduct discharge for violating a lawful general order, which I don't know what that is, but I'm guessing that he probably went AWOL to see his girlfriend or whatever. At any rate, he's leaving behind a wife and a brand new baby. And, uh, so if you think we're not involved, folks, <laughs> believe me, we're involved. We're, we're providing intelligence. We've got boots on the ground. We've got special ops people in, I'm sure they're in Russia, uh, the Ukraine, Poland, Moldova, uh, it's its really cranking up. And, and the Russians are saying that this was going to end up in a nuclear war if you guys don't back off because they're afraid that we're going to uh, set up a missile system in, in Eastern Europe that has the capability of delivering a Tomahawk uh, cruise missile that has a nuclear warhead on it. Of course, we're not interested in, in taking them off the map. We just want to... Declaw the bear, so to speak, take his teeth and, and his claws away.
3: Yeah, I, we just want you to respect everybody else's borders. That's all we really want. Play fair. Same thing with China. Play fair.
2: Remember, Ken, that the uh, the long-term strategy of Russia from the time of Catherine the Great, uh, who was the Tsarina in the 1760s, almost – 1800 right in our our period of of uh, revolutionary war uh, you know our revolutionary period started in 1760 so she came into Russia at about the same time and it was a time of of great revolution in the world not only militarily but also intellectually artwork the age of enlightenment and she really uh, did a job to modernize Russia but one of her goals was to uh, capture enough territory around the Black Sea that Russia would have a, a permanent warm water port, and they've been fighting that battle ever since. And it doesn't matter whether it was uh, the Czars or the Communists or the, the fascist Putin or whoever. This has been their long range goal and plan. And, and you know the Ukraine sits on on the uh, on the Black Sea, and Russia sits partly on the Black Sea, uh, Georgia. Turkey, Bulgaria, Romania, Moldova is not actually touching the Black Sea. It's kind of sandwiched between uh, the Ukraine and uh, Romania. But the uh, the Danube comes does a little does a little dogleg north and goes right on the border of Moldova and touches it. And the Ukraine has a little strip of land down in front of Moldova on the Black Sea. And so the Ukraine and Moldova worked out a deal in 2006 where they would get rights to use the, the Danube so that they basically have, a, you know, a port. And uh, that's important, especially when you're importing and exporting and, and trying to uh, have, a, have a good lifestyle for your people. And the Russians did go into Moldova and, and took a chunk of land a few years ago. And so now the Moldovians i guess they're going to be involved in this if they aren't already uh quietly and the russians are saying we're not fighting the ukraine we're fighting nato do you know that that that
3: they are actually saying that sure well they're trying to get their people behind them 100% they're not going to say we went in and that they're talk about this information department doc
2: that's and, all russia is right now well and to their know, own I, people well yeah, and then, well we've got a lot of disinformation going on over here. Well, I'm gonna keep us out of this war. Yeah, right. We're already in it. Oh yeah. Oh sure. You can't send
3: billions and billions of dollars of in weapons to a country to fight with and say you're not in it.
2: No, I know. And then we've got uh our Secretary of Defense and uh what's his name? Anthony Blinken? That's correct, yes <laughs> sir. And uh who's who's the, the uh head of staff, not Blinken, but the the black general, what's his name? Now you got me. All uh, right. You're talking about – I can't remember the name. At any rate, so he's saying that uh, he wants to make sure that Russia can never do this again. And so basically he's saying we want Russia totally defeated, which is what we said about Germany and Japan in World War II, uh, that there would be no conditional surrender. We backed off on Japan because of MacArthur. MacArthur said you've got to give them the one condition that the emperor uh, stays as the emperor because it would be so disruptive psychologically to the Japanese that they wouldn't be able to function. I don't know. But he took away their power. He took away the emperor's power, essentially. But yeah. everything else was, was taken away. And he made the emperor, or actually talked him into going out public and showing the people that he wasn't a god. He was just a, a little shrimp of a guy like everybody else. And <laughs> that picture <laughs> that picture of him standing next to MacArthur.
3: <laughs> oh, I know. And MacArthur was, what, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, <laughs> tall guy, yeah. It was a funny picture, <laughs> at least from our side.
2: So at any rate, the Russians are all upset because of the Aegis Ashore missile defense system that we've moved into Poland and Romania, and it's known as the Mk 41 vertical launching system. And apparently, this thing can can shoot uh, interceptor missiles SM two, three, and six, and but it can also launch a cruise missile. So the Russians are all ah see, you're going to use this as an offensive weapon. You're trying to kill us. I'm like we don't want to kill you. We want you to shut up and get out of the way. That's <laughs> right. <have> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, how do you do that? I mean, I just don't know uh, how you convince people that their behavior is is way out of line, and uh, I don't know. It well, just, I, th- I think I uh, think I think Mr. Putin is gone a
3: little wacky, if you know what I mean.
2: Well, it's not just him; his whole little inner circle—they're all saying the same
3: damn thing. Well, of course, because he'll have them shot if he, if they don't. I mean, look at the oligarchs that are dropping dead all of a sudden.
2: Well, that's true, but I mean, they, they have some power too. Even the uh, the czars and the uh, and the communist uh, leaders, they were very wary of those who surrounded them. And and uh, you know, uh, Trotsky was assassinated, and uh, somebody tried to shoot Lenin, and of course Stalin was always thinking somebody was out to kill him, so he killed everybody. That's right. Well,
3: that's well, Putin's playing Stalin's uh, playbook.
2: Mhm, you know, just get rid just of stop them. playing the czar's playbook, yeah, so it's one thing after another, meanwhile, on the other side of the globe, the Chinese I guess are struggling with with covid, and I heard that Beijing was locked down now, so Shanghai and Beijing, which is going to interfere with our uh, supply chain and what empire ever has been built on Im- importing everything from? <laughs> Somebody else. What what is this? What, what is this well that, that's our mistake. I don't know. We that's we true. allowed that to happen. We did. And you know, uh Korea's yoon, you know, the new president, Korea uh President Yoon, Y O O N. So moon is gone and Yoon is in. The moon is has set and the Yoon is risen. <laughs> and, and uh and so this guy's a conservative, and so he's like, I'm not wasting time talking to Kim Jong Il or Kim Jong Un or whoever, whichever, whichever Kim's in charge today. Yeah. Whichever Kim is is in charge this year, and uh, he said that's that's fruitless because Moon spent the past five years trying to play kissy face with uh, the North Koreans, and that didn't get anywhere. The North Koreans are still shooting off missiles and getting ready to test more nuclear weapons. I think they're going to put one in Joe's underwear. <laughs> And uh, so Yoon said, I'm not interested in this. I said, let's you know, let's get the United States back in here. And so they're thinking of becoming uh, the fourth member of the quadrilateral, you know, the Great Britain, Australia, the United States. And it was India, but India is being nice to Russia. Not, I mean, they're not really helping them. But they're, but they're you know, getting – you know, what they're getting in return is about $35 a barrel of oil. Yeah, if they can get it down there. Uh, I mean – how are you going to get it there? There's no pipelines coming across China or or uh, Afghanistan or Turkmenistan down to India, and then you got to go over the Himalayas. I mean, they have to bring it in th- on tankers, and uh, I don't even know if they're being able to load the tankers right now in in the uh, Arctic uh, part of of Russia because of the shutdown by all the big companies like Shell and and uh, uh, BP and uh, all these big companies said, well, since you guys are waging war on the Ukraine, we're shutting down our operations up here. They were doing a lot of the work. So I don't, I don't think that there's really that much. And But what the Indians did say is they say, well, we'll accept rubles. And I mean, then Matt, they accepted it as like you know, pocket change. Mm. But but it was a symbolic thing. And so then Joe and his gang are like, well, you, you're bad people, you Indians, because you're helping the Russians. And the Indians are like, dude. They stood by us when you didn't, uh, which they did back in the 60s and 70s. We were back in Pakistan and, and the uh, helping the Pakistanis out when they were fighting the Indians a couple of times. But most people in India uh, would prefer to have a good relationship with the United States, but they still have a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth because of, of the relationship that the United States had has with Pakistan, which is on and off and up and down. At any rate, so now Yoon is saying this is silly for us to uh, hate and fight with the Japanese. We've got a common enemy in China and we better pull together. So he's reaching out to the Japanese. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, animosity still in, in Korea uh, towards the Japanese because of what they did during the colonial period in the first half of the, of the 20th century. You know, they invaded uh, korea the korean peninsula and treated them like uh stepchildren and you know stripped them of their resources during the war world war ii took took away uh trees i mean there's mountains that are still half bald they're just starting to grow back now minerals and anything that they could get of course towards the end of the war they didn't have anything so they were grasping at straws to get what they could but uh you know, it's time to put that behind us. Uh,
3: yeah, we, my, nu- we nuked
2: them for it, so they paid a price. They paid a price, and, you know, they've behaved so far. I mean, they haven't tried to uh, step on any of their neighbors. In fact, they,
3: in fact, they, in their constitution, they couldn't even have an offensive weapon systems. At least not openly. <laughs> least, well, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, Kushida, the foreign minister— uh, or as he, I guess he's the uh, president of, of Japan. He said, uh, he voiced hope for a new starting point in which our two countries would build a future oriented relationship while also squarely facing the past. So, you know, the comfort women are still yelling about that, even though I think they're all dead, but (laughs) the daughters are still alive. And so they still carry that memory, but, uh, We need this. We need these relationships. And we're not going to remain a world that's marching towards democracy if we don't embrace uh, disparate countries that are now uh, democracies and and if we don't work together as as a a group. And and I think this is what the Russians are most afraid of, Ken, is that the world will will unite against them. Well, they're pushing people into NATO. Well, yeah, they are because they scare the hell out of you. Exactly. What are, what is what are these people thinking over there? They think that they should run
3: the world. They think uh, that they're so they're so powerful they can do anything. I guess. Well, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like it anymore,
2: boys. No, <laughs> I can't figure out what the hell they're doing. <laughs> I mean, they can't even win a war against a little backwater country like Ukraine. So. Yeah,
3: so now they got to threaten. Oh, we're going to use our nuclear weapons.
2: Well, okay, we, we'll
3: use ours then. I guess if that's what you want to do.
2: Well, if they use a nuclear, if they use a tactical nuclear weapon in in the Ukraine, you're going to see the, you're going to see NATO have to respond. I mean, because uh, what you think the Lithuanians uh, or the Poles want the uh, the uh, Ukrainian uh, dust blowing over and uh, radioactive dust blowing over into Warsaw? I mean they've got a huge border together and uh, you know Belarus is right there Lithuania Moldova and the Moldovians are already upset with the Russians what do you think's going to happen they ain't going to be pretty doc no and we're not going to have a choice that's right they will force our hands and and uh, and then they'll say you forced our hand and and of course uh, they'll say see what blinken and your your secretary of defense and your your chief military officer said that they wanted to see us totally defeated and what's that mean to them and i and their mind that means you versus me yeah. and me it means we this. want you out of ukraine that's all well but they are they've gone beyond that and so now we're saying well we want total defeat so you can't do this again for another hundred years or whatever which is basically what we said to germany and japan we we want you totally and completely crushed so that you don't try this again for a long, long time to come. And I don't know. I, I mean, don't know
3: how it's going to turn out either, but hopefully hopefully, uh, saner brains will prevail. Yep. Well,
2: let's get a question out there and grab a cup of cup of Joe. Change our Wow, name. this
3: show is half over. You're right, Doc. Look at that. My goodness. Just flying by today. Okay, today's question. By the way, we're giving away... Two, Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs to the first caller at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. First person to answer this question gets those delightful, beautiful mugs. Um, the question is, and we talked about this briefly, boy, if you blinked, you may have missed it. So we'll see if we get a winner today, Doc. Um, what can you see now, say, at your average old Walmart that you used to have to pay to see at a carnival? so again the question is what could you see today at your average walmart that you used to have to pay to see at a carnival this is dr bill your radio md i'll be right back folks. okay doc we'll be back in a minute folks so All right. anywhere there we go With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. As New York City forges ahead with its recovery, the pandemic is leaving lasting imprints, especially on city roadways. Less room for cars and more space for people. As the COVID-19 outbreak ravaged the city two years ago, one of the world's most congested and bustling metropolises found itself transformed into grids of mostly deserted streets and sidewalks as businesses shuttered and virus wary denizens shut themselves in. Italy and Greece have relaxed some COVID-19 restrictions and a sign that life is increasingly returning to normal before Europe's peak summer tourist season. Greece's Civil Aviation Authority announced today it's lifting all COVID-19 rules for international and domestic flights. And President Biden, together with other dignitaries in Minneapolis, to remember former Vice President Walter Mondale. He died last
2: year, but the service was held off because of COVID. This is SRN News.
1: Hey, Tim Cooper here with Health Plan Network. Are your health insurance premiums making you sick? Did you go with one of those high deductible limited network Affordable Care Act plans? Well, you're not stuck with it. Folks, there's a better option. My Freedom of Choice plan puts most of your coverage up front where you only meet a deductible if you go into a hospital. You pick your doctors and it's 30 to 60% lower cost than Obamacare. If you pay for your own health insurance, you're uninsured, you're on COBRA, or your employer coverage is just too expensive, call me, Tim Cooper, an expert with 25 years' experience at 813-212-2580. That's 813-212-2580, or go to healthplannetwork.net. That's healthplannetwork.net, and we can custom design a plan managed by you, not the government. Hi, everybody. It's Megan Alexander. Join me the morning of May the 5th alongside with Salem Radio for the prayer breakfast. I am so excited to speak to you about how we as believers can boldly take our seat at the table in culture and talk practically about how we can encourage one another in the body of Christ. Join me for Christian Fellowship May the 5th. Presented by Faith Talk Tampa and Word of Life Bible Institute. Register now at Let's and click on the National Day of Prayer banner.
0: AM 860, The Answer. Online at TheAnswerTampa.com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast.
1: Partly sunny today with a thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon and a high 87. Mainly clear tonight with a low 71. Partly sunny Monday with a high 88 and a thunderstorm around Tuesday with a high of 88. Plan with confidence. Download the redesigned AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast i'm gregory patrick for am860 the answer
3: hello doc
2: and i'm back this is dr bill we're doing a radio show today are you there ken i am sir I got to plug my microphone back. Oh, I thought maybe you uh, had to spend
3: a little time in the uh, little boys' room. <laughs> uh, or you probably thought, mm, did I hit the wrong button again? <laughs> All right. Hey, we got a winner, Doc. All right. We got a winner. I'm. Kind of surprised because we didn't talk about this much, but it—the uh, question was, in case you missed it—and of course, the question always deals with what happened in the first half of the show. Something that happened somewhere we we talked about in the first half of the show. And today's question was, what would you find at your average Walmart today that you used to have to pay? <laughs> and I figure, as long as we're being, uh, you know, uh, in uh, inappropriate, we might as well go all the way here. What would you used to have to <laughs> you used to have to pay to see at a carnival? And The answer is, Doc. And that would be a fat tattooed lady. A, tat, a fat tattooed lady. Absolutely right. And Bill <laughs> from Odessa was your winner today. Bill, don't have the last name yet, but I got Bill from Odessa. Last name is coming, I'm, I'm told. We'll, get that. we'll, we'll Odessa, announce that later on.
2: Or the Ukraine or where is Odessa? <laughs> I don't think it's in the Ukraine. No, Oh, no, it's not. No, I think it's a little <laughs> north of here, I think. Oh, oh, oh Odessa, Florida. Yes, Odessa, Florida. I- I thought we were actually uh, with Elon Musk and his Starlink that we were actually getting our show pumped out into the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Bill, and thanks for listening. We appreciate you.
3: All right, Bill. Nice going. That tattooed lady.
2: <laughs>
3: well, all right. We got about 20 minutes left. Doc. This show is just flying by here today. I'm telling you, we're having
2: fun. So the FBS, which is the Russian uh, – um, I guess that's like the follow-up to the KGB. They have declassified testimony by Hitler's personal pilot about Nazi leadership's leadership's final hours. This is in the Russian news agency TASS this past few days. I had not heard this. What would they say? Well, I mean, they, they act like it's a big deal because they're trying to stir up a anti-fascism sentiment, and they're saying that you know, the Ukrainians are fascists. So apparently the, uh, the the Hans Bauer was the personal pilot for, for Hitler on his Air Force One or whatever you want to call it. And so he would see him intermittently because Hitler and, and his inner circle would call him in to plan on a flight somewhere. And so he saw him the day of his uh, suicide. And uh, they were actually, uh, prior to that, they were organizing flights out of Berlin to get papers and uh, documents and luggage and people out. And they were talking about moving the capital uh, up to, the, uh, up to the, uh, the Baltic, you know, up on the northern coast of, of, uh, of Germany. <clears throat> so that, that does abut the Baltic Sea that's between Denmark and, and the, uh, the three Baltic states. And so uh, basically he doesn't have really a whole lot more to say other than that it's pretty much true that Hitler was, was losing it at the end. But the 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 point of this is is that in the middle of this battle with the or this war against the Ukrainians, in which the the Russians are saying the Ukrainians are fascists and they have to be uh, denazified, the Tass news Task news agency, which is the the big old time news agency in Russia, the largest, the oldest, it's been there since before communism came in. It was uh, founded in 1905. That uh, they're pumping out more hysteria about fascism.
3: They are the official mouthpiece of the uh, Kremlin.
2: Yeah, and and so who is uh, who is stoking the fire of uh, world war? I mean, I, you can say we have a part in it, but we're not the primary aggressor here, and we're not the ones who are stirring up the coals and saying, "Well, just you know, you guys are just uh, a rehash of the old Stalin era." Nobody's saying that, so, but.
3: But that's where they are.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I think, no, I think that they're the fascists now, you know. Oh, fascism, yeah. Fascism is when you have a uh, a strong man and a one-party system. You have free enterprise, but the state uh, pretty much dictates what that free enterprise will be. And so you can go out and buy whatever you want and make what you want, but uh, if the state thinks it's not a value, you're not going to get any uh, support from them. Which is different than communism. Communism is where the state controls both production and consumption. So they say, well, you you guys need latkes, uh, little uh, cars or little junky cars. So we're going to make little cars for you guys. Yeah, but we want bigger cars. We want nice cars like the Germans and the French have. Well, you can't have them. You don't need them. That's bourgeois. And so here, by the way, you're going to do this job, get in on this assembly line, and make this car, or we're going to take you out to Siberia, and do bad things to you. Which
3: is exactly why the the country never really was very good at development.
2: Well, the problem is, is they built, uh, you know, they built their whole economy for centuries on slavery, on serfdom, and uh, and of course that created a tremendous. Uh, underclass that rebelled in 1917-18 and overthrew the government and they were easily manipulated because they were uneducated and uh, without direction and they had been stirred up uh, in great animosity towards the, the, uh, the ruling class and the oligarchs back then. And uh, so now they have that lingering uh, memory and uh, they're easily manipulated that way. But basically, slavery doesn't work, and as we learned in our own country, uh, we we don't we don't get anywhere with slavery. It, ultimately, it hurts all sides. It hurts everybody. But our our uh, our romance with slavery what lasted seventy, eighty years as a country, and then it was ended. And uh, you know, it's taking time to to rectify some of the wrongs but basically i think we're doing really well we we have integrated faster than probably any country in history in terms of absorbing a slave population into the free population so well the one thing <laughs> about communism is that it, 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 it takes away incentive yeah it does and uh, and and that and that's what washington said about slavery he said basically there's a glass ceiling you can only go so high and even if you're the the, uh, the senior guy on on the farm, if you're a slave, what can you do? You can't bargain for a higher position. You can't go out looking for another job. There's no competition. And this is the same problem that, uh, that Europe had in the 14th century after the Black Plague had swept through and taken away a third of the workforce, uh, people who had traditionally been Serfs on farms or, uh, you know, tenant farmers, the the kids said, I don't want to be here anymore. And the guy down the street's offering more money. I'm going to go work for him. Or they go, they went and they said, I want to be a brick mason or stonemason or, I, you know, I want to do some some kind of uh, job where I can build things and make a little bit more money. And uh, the King of England even in uh, Parliament passed a law and said it was punishable by death if you left your farm. Of course, nobody listened to him. <laughs> they all left. And so it, it changed the face of Europe. And uh, that's that's what happens. Uh, I think that we have an opportunity in this country to, if we don't get too crazy and, and jankety with our political correctness and our disinformation departments and, you know, all that kind of stuff to really just be, we already are a very ideal society, but we could be Ten times better by just cutting the crap and, and uh, continuing on the path that we're on. And like in, in the United States, if you build a better mousetrap, you're going to be rewarded for it. That's right. And if you build a better country, we'll come and give you a hug and a kiss. But there just ain't nothing better out there. And I'd sit in the lunchroom and listen to guys who have immigrated here from all over the world, uh, people who have traveled all over the world. And we all say the same thing. Over and over, whether you're from India or South America or Europe or wherever you're from, all the doctors and and nurse practitioners and nurse anesthetists sitting in the lunchroom, and we all say the same thing. There's just nowhere like this. And I mean, we have people from from Vietnam, from uh, the Philippines, from South Korea, I mean, from all over the world, China. There's even one guy that's from China. There's just nothing like this, and uh, but we can do it better, and we should. We should continue on. We should, However, always st- we should always strive to make it better. Absolutely, yeah. Strive to make it better, but let's not disparage who we are and what we have. To look inward and say how can I improve myself is one thing, but to for you to look inside of me and say you're a racist, that that's counterproductive. That's not going to help anything. You know, you know what I mean, Ken? Sure. Yeah. It's just it's going to create animosity and divisions between us. Uh, it should be saying you've done a great job. You know, the white America has done a wonderful job of assimilating uh, black Americans into the society. And you said before the show, even on the ads now, That's all right. the families, they're all mixed. I know you've got a white husband,
3: a black wife, Chinese children. <laughs> yeah. Come on. This this is, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to appeal to everybody. They don't want to offend anybody.
2: Well, yeah, but, you know, when they had the Martian on in that one thing. Yeah, which antenna was oh, way over the line. You're right. Yeah, that was way over the line because, I mean, Mars isn't even part of the United States <laughs> yet. So Elon's getting there. <laughs> well, what did uh, Winston Churchill,
3: Winston Churchill I know you, you are a fan of Winston Churchill, I believe, are you not? Yes. Yeah, what did he say about democracy? Something as a. It's a, it's a terrible form of government but it's better than all the others or something like that
2: yeah yeah now, you know what democracy is uh a, a, a oligarchy or a monarchy or a, 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 you know a one man rule uh is a giant aircraft carrier with all of her support vessels around her and she's got armor a, a foot thick and so you can torpedo her and do anything and she won't sink And then all of a sudden she runs into an iceberg and she sinks. (laughs) (laughs) But democracy is a bunch of uh, inner tubes and life rafts and, and canoes and little paddle boats. And they're all lashed together and everybody's fighting about which direction to go in. And, uh, the guys in the middle are warm and dry, and everybody's mad at them because they're taking advantage of the situation. And everybody tries to force them out and get into the middle where it's a better better accommodation, so to speak. And then they bump into an iceberg, and they bounce off, and they keep going. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that's democracy, my friends. That's right. But it is, it, can, it, it is fragile. It can be taken down. Of course, anything can be taken down. But let's face it: the the march to uh, to democracy and to individual freedom and rights has been going on, in, in at least in the English world since uh, you know since the end of the Roman Empire. Uh, it, it's it's been a march that uh, has seen everything from uh, Alfred the Great uh, to the Magna Carta to uh, Parliament, uh, the English Civil War, and then our own uh, democracy founded. So, I mean, there's been a lot of progress, and, and now we have several uh, children of England who are uh, functional democracies, and you even have the stepchild India, which is a, the largest democracy, and it, it for for as dysfunctional as it is, it seems to be working. You know, they're gradually pulling their people out of poverty and building up a strong nation. They have, the what, the fourth or fifth largest navy, the second or... I they might even be the first largest army in the world they, their economy is ten times that ten times that of of Russia. Can you believe that I didn't they, know it was
3: that big no, I didn't,
2: and the Russians are such a small economy now i mean yeah. they're you know, they're not even in the top ten anymore but uh so you've got Australia New Zealand, the United states canada uh South Africa you've got a bunch of countries that our uh, children of england and our functional democracies so we we are making progress uh, it just takes time it's not going to happen overnight we didn't become a functional democracy overnight you know it took us a couple of hundred years to get to the point where what what when, what was plymouth rock 1621 somewhere around there yep or, and it was uh, what 150 years later that we had our revolutionary war and then if you want to consider the civil war as the end of uh the end of uh, an era of an really impure democracy. And of course, then from there on, uh, you have the, the women's rights and the suffragettes and uh, integration of black Americans and the Voting Rights Act. And But it takes time. You know, These things just don't happen overnight. Uh, it's like Washington said, if he freed his slaves right after the end of the Revolutionary War, he would have thrown the country into a civil war immediately the north and south would have been at at odds. So he said, our first job is to bring the country together and we'll work on the problems as we go. And this is something that it's hard to convince a lot of people of is that you can't do everything all at once. And you must compromise. You have to have compromise. Well, you know, it's stepwise. You you can't build a plane by going into uh, a hangar with a bunch of parts and throw them up in the air and it'll come down a plane. It doesn't work that way. You got to you got to start with the frame. You got to put the engine in. You got to skin it out. You've got the interior. You've got the electronics and the guys. I mean, things take time to do, and it's a stepwise process. I'm it's an evolution.
3: This... The government is an evolution here. Yes.
2: Yeah, it's just like us. You know, a kid doesn't come out of the womb and all of a sudden he's a twenty-five-year-old guy out working in in Boulder, Colorado, for some uh, advertising firm. It doesn't work that way he's got to grow up uh, and he's got to put on weight and height and uh, go to school, made, learn. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you just, you can't expect, I'm having this problem with one of our board members. He wants, he, he'll only stay on the board. And if we do it uh, comprehensively, what he thinks should be done, I'm like it doesn't work that way. He wants to amend the bylaws, but he wants all the amendments to be done at once. Well, <laughs> His last name wouldn't be Putin, would it? Well, he, he's an Anglo-Saxon. So oh, okay. He comes over here part of the year, and, you know, I told him, I said, I said, look, Brian, we've kicked your asses out of here twice now. <laughs> Don't make me do it a third time. <laughs> and I, I asked him, I said, look, you, you know, you Anglo-Saxons will catch you. You're like 10 feet tall. You guys are relatively intelligent. You know how to fight. How the hell did the Normans beat you? at the battle of hastings in 1066 <laughs> he said we've revised our tactics since then <laughs> their grammar is usually perfect i'll give him that though i can't understand half of what he says and writes i understand the words but he his writing is so horrible and you know he mixes his sentences and chops things off and I'm like so i have to ask our our other guy JT and I'm like JT what the hell does he mean? <laughs> he said, Did you read it? I said, I got about two sentences into it. And I was like, This is seventh grade, you know, it's writing. I can't read this stuff. I got things to do. So, two and a half minutes, that's it? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, what are the. I Russians- know this show is just flown by today. I know. And uh, a lot of fun, too. So, you know, the Russians, here's the bottom line on the Russians they want to control the Black Sea. That's the bottom line. Yeah and they don't care who they step on to do it. And you gotta remember now, this this is uh, this is an important body of water. The, you go through the Straits of Dardanelle, and uh, you're in the Aegean, and then you're in the Mediterranean. And of course, if you can control the Black Sea, you could control all the traffic coming in and out of there. And like I said before, you've got Bulgaria, Romania, Moldova, the Ukraine, Russian Federation, Georgia, Turkey, which has a big chunk of land there, And uh, that's what they want. They want to control that that area. Uh, That's a a main artery. That's one of the busiest arteries in Europe. Uh, A lot of trade goes back and forth. So uh, it's a a big problem. And and don't think that it's just Putin. This isn't new. This has been going on since Catherine the Great. This has historically uh, been going on since 1783 which is over 200 years, 250 years. You think they so, give
3: up the fight after a while?
2: Well, you would think so, but have we given up the fight? I mean, no. We're still willing to go toe-to-toe with people on, on issues that we think are important to us. Uh, the Monroe Doctrine, which says that America will not be colonized by European powers anymore, and we still fight that. I mean, we still do that. And, and remember, all the American countries are independent of Europeans. Did you know that? Every one of us. That's true. Yes. And that's because of Hamilton and his Monroe Doctrine, which Monroe picked up and said in a speech in 1818 18 or whatever, back in the day. So that was a tremendous thing that he did. Doc, you so, got about 30 seconds left or so. You want to plug the office or
3: something? Let's pump
2: it out, baby. The office is still open. We're doing a you know big business. We're there for you. We've got plenty of time to see if you're sick. Give us a call at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. We've got ultrasound, echocardiogram, x-ray, lab. We can take care of your heart, your lungs, your ears, your nose, your toes. And I'm out of here. Thank you for being with us today. I am Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Have a good one, Ken. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your
0: radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727 384 6411. That's 727 384 6411. Or visit his website. Website at CanCareClinic. Care Clinic